Hello, and welcome to episode 207 of Smarts, which as we all know stands for... Shining Man Attacks Robin Titan Suddenly. Ooh. Ooh. Very good. Thank you very much. My name is Rediger Q Podcaster, a.k.a. Trevor. Hi. And your name is... Julia Coolia of Internet Fame Dash Podcaster. Correct. Hi. So we actually have a little bit of news this week. Mm -hmm. So some of this you know already. So in the ongoing Crisis on Infinite Earths, throwing every actor in there but the kitchen sink... Mm -hmm. Um. The Kitchen Sink is actually going to be playing the Anti-Monitor. I see, I see. Um, Good casting. Both Tom Welling and Erica Durant are going to be reprising their roles as Clark Kent and Lois Lane for the crossover. <laughs> um, somebody must have prayed to some sort of voodoo god or something to get Tom Welling to, to come back. <laughs> Not that he's ungrateful or anything like that, but he's he seems to be very much of the, you know, I did that, now I want to do other stuff. You know, yeah. William Shatner... Um, Sarah Michelle, like Sarah Michelle Geller camp as opposed to the, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll come back whenever you want me to come back kind of camp. I would imagine, though, that they're not going to get him to wear, I mean, if they get him to wear some sort of costume, I'll be flabbergasted. I think he's just going to be appearing as Clark Kent. Maybe he'll have like the sort of, well, he wouldn't go back to like the trench coat look that he had or the jacket that he had from later seasons of Smallville. But no, Smallville ended up with him becoming Superman. So there'd be no reason for him to go back to that. I think he'll just be in plain clothes. Mm-hmm. Um and it'll be fun to have Erica Durant in there too. Of course, she's been part of the family since she's been uh, recurring on Supergirl so as as uh, yeah. Kara's mother. So I wonder if there'll be some comment in there about how they look alike. It's like, wait, why doesn't this Clark look look anything like my cousin, and why does his wife look like my mother? You know, mm-hmm. some sort of weird. Because they, they already had that line. This is getting very complex, but there's like the Barry Allen of another Earth looks like our Barry Allen's father. And remember, they even had that line from from uh, Brandon Routh a couple of years ago, um, when uh, when he met Supergirl for the first time. He's like, "Oh, she looks just like my cousin," because that's the whole like it's a reference to the fact that he used oh, to play Superman, right? Yeah. So this, if you were to draw some sort of flowchart for this, it would be getting very complicated. But people on different Earths sometimes look like themselves, and other times they look like different people, but not not random different people, mm-hmm. different people that happen to be related to or known by the people that. They, oh, right, they, yeah. They look like on another Earth. So, so doppelgangers of pe- other people's relatives. Yeah. Yes, very confusing. Mm. Um, but that's that's cool that they're both going to be in there. I'm very excited. It's so good. It's so good. The other bit of news this week is we um, we have the voice cast for the Superman Red Sun animated adaptation that's going to be coming out next year. Okay. A lot of familiar voices in there. I almost said familiar faces. <laughs> a, lot, a lot of familiar mouths. Um, so Jason Isaacs. Uh, oh, awesome. Captain Lorca from Star Trek Discovery, a bunch of other voice work, is going to be voicing uh, Superman himself in this. Cool. Uh, Diedrich Bader, who of course has done yeah. a bunch of voices for them, is going to be playing Lex Luthor. Really? Uh, yeah. Let's Holy see who dick. else. Um, Amy Acker. Oh yeah. Okay. Amy Acker is going to be playing Lois Lane. She's done. Nice. She's done voice work before. She did Huntress on Justice League Unlimited. I think you, I remember if, that. If you recall, uh, Vanessa Marshall from Star Wars oh, Rebels, yeah. Young Justice, a bunch of other stuff is going to be playing uh, Wonder Woman. She played Wonder Woman once before in the Crisis on Two Earths animated movie. She did cool. a really good job there. Uh, Phil Morris, everybody knows yeah. Phil Morris, is going to be playing James Olsen of all people. Um, <laughs> awesome. Paul Williams, um, who longtime fans will remember, played the Penguin on Batman the Animated Series oh. twenty five years ago. Um, is going to be playing Brainiac. Sasha nice. Ruiz from Grimm oh. is going to be playing Hal Jordan. And Phil Lamar will be reprising his role as Jon Stewart. Wait, I'm killing myself. Who's Sasha Ruiz? The, the captain, the police captain. I oh, forget. Yeah. The, I can't remember anybody's name from that show, but the police captain oh, yeah, who was a yeah. prince. Mm-hmm. He'll be playing Hal Jordan. That's awesome. And uh, Phil Lamar will be playing Jon Stewart once more. Wow. So it's a pretty stacked voice cast. Yeah. 
So that's, that's coming so out cool. sometime next year. Wow, I'm really looking. I think the next to one it. is the Wonder Woman Blood, Bloodlines movie that we saw the little trailer for, and then this we'll probably get a trailer for this on that release, and then this will be probably January or February. That's things come out exciting. every three or four months. That's it's a pretty so good cast. Cool. Yeah. I'm interested in see. This is a good. It's a good. Um, target for adaptation because it's not too short like the killing joke where they have to add a lot of unnecessary stuff right. it's not too long like death of superman or new frontier where they've got to cut out a lot of the most interesting stuff mm-hmm. it's just about right it's like 120 130 pages in its original form you could probably trim about 20 percent of that and make it exactly right for like an 80 minute animated movie mm-hmm. You'd, and and this in terms of the subject matter it's adult without being too adult it's pretty much it's it's a perfect target for adaptation here so i i think they'll they'll probably be able to do a very good job with it because they won't have to lose a lot of unnecessary stuff and obviously they've got a they've got a great voice cast too so mm-hmm. i'm looking forward to that me too and that's it for our news that's awesome what was your comic of the week wait well shouldn't we mention the um the passing of the late great oh well i don't normally put stuff like that in here because we normally oh. try to keep a little upbeat but yes that's true you're, you're, but referring, I mean, it's, yeah. you're referring to aaron eisenberg yeah yes aaron eisenberg who played nog on star trek deep space nine 20 years ago um passed away unfortunately this week at the age of 50 i think yeah. he was apparently from um from lifelong health complications which i can only assume have to do with his stature mm-hmm. like some sort of chronic problem that led to him being below average height yeah did I'll, you read the um the article no, I didn't read any articles. I just saw. The I don't tweets remember. Go by. Um, they didn't list what happened to him most recently, but they did list that he had had a kidney transplant at some point in his life, um, from actually being on the donor list for four months because one of his friends um, donated one to him. And that's, I mean, I, that's love right there. You know that somebody loves you if they <laughs> let them have a kidney. So. I don't know. It was just he also does amazing photography and and yeah, and he was a really upbeat and felt and nice person. So yeah, he was always like he was always at the cons. He was always yeah. on the cruises. He was always there in the the interviews and the mm-hmm. documentaries. Like he was he was passionate about it and he yeah. Like I think he recognized that it was a once in a lifetime role for him, even though it was you know in the grand scheme of Star Trek a relatively minor role, still a very memorable one and mm-hmm. and a highlight of his career. So he was definitely. Yeah. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be part of that community. Yeah. It was awesome. And he will be missed because he was an awesome person. Yeah, I mean there's all there's always, especially these days with Picard and everything, there's always the opportunity for some of these actors to come back and play the characters again. Mm-hmm. So it's too bad that that particular door is obviously permanently closed because they would never recast something no, like that. And no. so you know, we might there's always a long shot chance we might see war for Bashir or O'Brien again or something like that. Right. But we're never gonna see Nog again, which is too bad. It would have been so cool to have it be the time frame of Picard and he Nog rolls up as captain of right. some awesome ship or something like that, you know. Yep. Anyway. Yeah. So what was your comic of the week? So this week I picked Teen Titans number thirty four. Long story super short, it was an amazing issue. It was tremendous. Okay, first off, let's talk about the art. The art was fantastic. The second thing, when, um, what's her name, Crush, got really, 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 really angry at um, Robin, and her eyes changed to the full red that you see in uh, in uh, Lobo all the time. That was pretty cool, and dredges up the question of, hello, what's going on here? The second thing, uh, then, is it the third thing now? I don't know. I lost count because it's such an awesome issue. 
obviously the entire story circling around the missing ring, um, Jin found that, you know, somehow, even though she never takes her ring off, it had been stolen from her and it controls her. It's basically like if a genie has control of their lamp and the lamp goes missing, then they're under the power of whoever holds the lamp. So that's exactly her situation right now. And I was watching oh. I was watching the live action Aladdin over a couple people's shoulder on a flight we were on recently. I know how this works. Oh. Well, all right. Well most most of the time you see a genie. Everybody on to that light, plane was watching that movie, by know, the way. Right? And then everybody on the other flight was watching the Elton, the Elton John now. movie. Everybody oh, yeah. going was watching Aladdin, everybody coming back was watching Rock. Elton Man. John, yeah. That's so funny. It's true. Yeah. Anyway, um, So, aside from the art being amazing, the story being really thrilling, the fact that Robin is still mistrusted from several issues prior because of stuff that he did in issues um, having to do with the secret prison that he was running underneath and breaking everybody's trust. And so he's trying to rebuild from that, but he is still, you know, the petulant sort of attitude-driven superiority complex-having child. So he's negotiating that on top of everything else and then having the fact that um you know this entire horrible crime goes goes awry and he's the best equipped to solve the mystery he goes around and interviews each person one by one each suspect one by one puts the entire tower in lockdown and then you see amazing conversations with all of these characters and ah should I spoil the ending? Because it was so good. I'm not sure anybody listening to this is reading Teen Titans, but no, probably not. No, I'm not going to spoil the ending because it was tremendous. It was unbelievable. It blew my mind. And it's the reason why I picked this for my comic of the week. Okay, what'd you pick? I picked Batman number 79. Yay! My um, honorable I've, mention for the record. I've really enjoyed this two-parter. Um, I mean, this is right This is right in Tom King's wheelhouse. It's just character. I mean, he kind of like... I mean, he can. Tom King can do a lot of different things, but one of his, one of his best areas is just like having characters sort of romantically Be, banter yeah. with each other and and say poignant things that call back to things they said earlier and have poignant flashbacks and meaningful dialogue and everything. Aww. So this is just a lot of Bruce and Selena sort of gearing up to go back to Gotham and take it back from Bane. Um, they go on a little caper here to beat up Magpie and take some of the stuff they're going to need. And um, there's a nice bow put on the whole did they first meet on the street of the boat mm-hmm. um, runner that's been going on for like a year and a half at this point. Um, it's just a really nice issue. And then I think the next five issues, five or six issues, until the final issue of his run, before it spins off and becomes the Batman Catwoman series, is just going to be full-on action. Like, I think the next six issues are going to be the whole Bat family descending on Gotham and getting revenge on Bane and everything, and it's probably going to be pretty epic. Hmm. And the art by Clayman, who is going to continue to work with on the Batman Catwoman the series. colors, and, too. I don't know if the same person did the colors as did uh, the art, but I'm I got to say... I'm not sure I can pronounce the na- name right, but... Tomura Mori or something like that is the name of the colorist. Yeah, did, he you're or she, so good for knowing he or all of she, this information. Well, I've been seeing these names for for more than ten years in some cases. Oh, I remember okay. stuff that, that I don't know if it's a man or a woman has been coloring going back to stuff on Jeff Johns' Teen Titans run. I think was was some of the earliest stuff I saw them color fifteen years ago or something like that. So <laughs> yeah, you read these names every every week and it's, they stick in your head. Um, but yeah, and, and I've seen people on Twitter specifically calling out the coloring as yeah. being some of the best. And I, I'm not sure. I think they might have even won an Eisner at some point. I know that a lot of uh, some of the colorists that have worked with Tom King before on things like Mr. Miracle have won Eisners, but I'm not sure if they have. I, they, I, they, they, they certainly should. I think it's some of the best Agreed. coloring that's, that's been Agreed. It's beautiful going on at DC. in these pages. Yeah. Oh. 
So should we move on to your quiz? Yes, I'm okay. ready. This week, because of the uh, Smallville actor news from the news section, Ooh. I'm going to be quizzing you about um, actors that were on Smallville. Oh, come on. So Didn't Smallville, we do this before? We've, we've done quizzes that have involved actors that were on Smallville, but this is a little different. So I'm going to name an actor that was on Smallville, and I want you to tell me who they played on Smallville. In the past, we've kind of done something of the reverse, where I've told you, like, the person who played this person on Smallville, what other DC role did they play in some other franchise? Okay? All right. All right. I'm so it's multiple choice. Okay. So number one, Sam Witwer. What was the name of the character Sam Witwer played on, on Smallville? Was it Adam Knight, Virgil Swan, Roger Nixon, or Davis Bloom? Davis Bloom. It was Davis Bloom. Awesome. How did, you, how did you guess that? That was just, that was just a guess? Know, okay. Just... Number two, James Marsters. Some of these you may know. James Marsters. Did he play Jax Ur, Zod, Brainiac, or Metallo? Brainiac. Yes, he played Brainiac. Awesome. The best, he was really good as Brainiac. My favorite episode of Brainiac was when he came back in the final season and had been, he'd been reprogrammed as Brainiac 5 by the Legion, and he came back and sort of did a This Is Your Life thing for for clark where he showed him all the people he did he'd helped throughout his oh wow since high school it was like an, it was like the 200th episode or something it was sort awesome. of a, it was sort of a celebration it was really nice it was, he went he and lois went back for their high school reunion and we got to see a kid like it was the very first meteor freak that clark had fought in like the second episode of the show oh yeah and and he came up to clark and thanked him for sort of turning his life around and james mars was sort of acting as the Ghost of Christmas Future kind of thing, oh, showing them all. Yeah. It was a really, really nice episode. That last season was really good. All right. Hmm. Number three, Jane Seymour. Who did Jane Seymour play in Smallville? Was it Lillian Luther, Maggie Sawyer, Genevieve Teague, or Dr. Claire Foster? Oh, that's hard. Oh, she'd make a really good Lillian, Lillian Luther. Can you can you read those again? Yes, Lillian Luther, Maggie Sawyer, Genevieve Teague, or Dr. Claire Foster. I don't know what a Teague is, so I'm going to guess that. Yes, you're actually correct. Awesome. She played the mother of Jensen Ackles' character, Jason Teague, was that his name? Or am I thinking of Jason, Jason Todd, Todd because he played right, yeah. Jason Teague doesn't sound right. But anyway, she played the mother of his character, his one-season character. All right. Number four, Alan Richson, who you know as Hawk from Titans, right? Got his, got his acting start, if I'm not mistaken, got his very first acting role on Smellville, where he was pretty wooden because he was like a, he was like a swimsuit model or something before he was, I don't know, I could be wrong. He was, I mean, he, 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 was, <laughs> he, was, he was a body first, and then he sort of mm-hmm. became an actor, you know what I mean? Sure. And he was kind of wooden on Smallville, but obviously he's gotten, he's really great on Titans. Yeah, I know he yeah, is. He's a standout on that show. Anyway, did he play? Arthur Curry, Hal Jordan, Barry Allen, or Carter Hall? Arthur Curry. Yes, he played Arthur Curry. I remember that fact. The from Aquaman a costume quiz. was just like a pair of orange swim trunks, was basically. <laughs> All right, number five, Phil Morris. Did mm-hmm. he play John Stewart, John Jones, Jefferson Pierce, or John Henry Irons? John Jones. Yes, he played John Jones. Okay, awesome. and, and lastly, Alessandro Giuliani who you remember as uh, Felix Gaeta from Battlestar Galactica, right? The guy that lost a leg in the later seasons and then led the... He was like the, the radar operator, basically, or the communications officer. Lost a leg and a short, curly hair, sort of Hispanic complexion. Um, lost a leg in the later oh. seasons and then led the mutiny with uh, Tom Zarek there. Oh. You remember? Mm-hmm. 
All right. So he was on Smallville. He had a recurring role for several seasons. Did he play Toy Man, Ted Cord, Perry White, or Dr. Emil Hamilton? I'm going to say Dr. Emil something. You know Dr. Hamilton, or Professor Hamilton, or whatever you want to call him. He's oh. been in, like, every Superman thing ever. You know the character I'm talking about, right? From the cartoons and everything else? Yeah. I remember him from Richard the cartoons. Richard Schiff and Man of Steel and uh, oh, a bunch yeah. of different people in the cartoons. All right. Right? Yeah. Yes, that's correct. That's Awesome. So did you get five out of six? I got six out of six. Mm, I got every um, single one of them right. You're right, you did. You even got the, uh, the the Genevieve Teague one, boom, even though you boom, didn't know who that was. Boom, boom, Very good. Boom, Making up for your performance a week Lucky or two ago where you got zero. That's right. what it's all about. So the only show we have to talk about this week is Titans. Titans. This one was called Ghosts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought this continued the, the, the streak from last week, if two episodes can be called yeah. a streak. I thought this was really good. The only thing that bothered me, and it took me out of the episode a lot, actually, and I tried to sort of like, man, that's really weird. Why did they do it that way? And I tried to get back into it, and the episode was almost over by then, so I didn't really have much of a chance. But just the way it was directed or staged, the fight with Dr. Light, where he's getting away. Do you know what I'm about to say? Yeah. He's getting away. Donna pins him under something. Mm-hmm. Dick is about to move in to, I don't know, cuff him or knock him out or mm-hmm. something. A bus comes around a corner mm-hmm. with its horn and its lights and everything. Donna's mm-hmm. like, Dick, the bus. Dick turns around to see the bus, mm-hmm. and then he turns back around, and Dr. Light is gone. Yeah. And we're both like, what happened? Did How? he use the light from the headlights to escape, like, through the light particles or something? Yeah. And then later, they were all like, you know, well, you let him get away, but you did it to save those people on the bus. What do you mean save those people on the bus? He didn't even move. He just turned around. He saw the bus, turned back around, and Dr. Light was gone. He right. didn't do anything to save any people on the bus. I mean, I guess maybe you could say, like, the reason why he took his attention off of Dr. Light was because he was concerned for the people on the bus, Maybe, but it didn't even read that way. It just read like he was surprised by the headlights. Yeah. So that was a weird bit of staging. Did you also notice that Dr. Light saw the bus coming and smiled? Like they actually had a moment. I'm not saying you're wrong about how he escaped. Yeah. It does seem like the most logical way that he escaped. But the but the way that the characters, the way it was staged made it like it wasn't unclear that that clear. was what was happening. Yeah, and then exactly. later the way the characters were talking about it was attributing characterization that seemed completely absent from the actual scene. Like yeah. Dick's motivation and what exactly happened there so that was really weird it's like for the only action set piece in an episode it was really like disjointedly filmed yeah and very confusing so that's that's very strange because normally was this directed by kevin tankerone i don't know he's normally like an an awesome action director he's directed some of the best you know obviously brother of marissa tankerone he's directed a lot of the best action episodes of agents of shield he's directed yeah. some of the great up ep- some great action episodes of the cw shows um, he directed the Mortal Kombat um, webisode series that was so great. Um, he's an excellent action director. So part of me wonders if that was just like... A fluke? A weird... Like there were problems during filming. Like maybe the weather wasn't cooperating or so, Like you never maybe know. Maybe they had to edit and you it never got know edited what out. Yeah. That was just a weird thing. Otherwise, I thought it was really good. I think it's really interesting what's going on with uh, with uh, Hank and Don. Mm-hmm. How they've come back, but... They but don't want to be there. They don't want to be there. And Hank kind of wants to stay, but knows that he shouldn't, both for his own sake and for her sake. Mm-hmm. Um, Donna's getting Donna's kind of snippy in this one because she's she's angry with Dick about not telling the kids what's going on. Right. Jason's really it really seems like and I, you know by the end of the episode he goes off half cocked and seemingly gets himself kidnapped by Deathstroke. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably a little too early for if they do kill off his character. Right? Don't you think it's, it's maybe a little too early for that? I mean, it would be shocking. Yeah. But I think that probably 
too early I didn't for that. think that they would yeah I guess it makes sense but they I mean, did make reference they did make reference to Joker in Gotham at some point like it was a subtle reference yeah but, but it, it doesn't there. need to be him that like they could do something different if they like they Jason Todd just needs to die at some point it doesn't yes it would be iconic if it was Joker with the crowbar right, right, in, right, right. in uh, Karak or whatever country it was or was it actually real it was like Saudi Arabia it might have even been a real country um but it doesn't have to be like it's like when you put Gwen Stacy in your Spider-Man movies. Like, okay, oh. start the clock. How right. long? How long till someone throws her off a bridge and she dies? Right. It's like if you put Jason Todd in your show, it's only a matter of time until he dies. Yeah. And then when he dies, it's like, okay, how long are they going to wait before they bring him back as the Red Hood? Right. Right. Like, right. It's just, um, <laughs> but that whole that whole scene was was um, was good. I kind of wanted like I I buy the characterization because Gar is kind of a. In this show, Gar is kind of the kind of guy that wants to doesn't want to make waves, wants to please everybody, keep everybody happy. Yeah. Um, and he wants to help out Jason, who's his friend. Um, but I kind of wanted Gar to say, like, look, man, if you, if you want to win Dick's respect, going against his orders and getting intel mm-hmm. is not what's going to do it. What what would do it is if you go to him right now and say, hey, I've got this really good idea. I want to go check it out ourselves, but instead I'm coming to you with this information. That would be what you you know, like that mm-hmm. would start to build trust between you. But, you know, he's doing his friend a favor against his better judgment and ends up going south. So I don't have any problem with it. It's just, it, it was good characterization, but I'm kind right. of like, you know, and they're, plus they're kids, you know, they're not exactly, they're not exactly what I was going to say is that we're at the stage of our lives where we wouldn't make such a mistake anymore and where we've seen many stories where people make that mistake, characters make that mistake, and we know the outcome, the inevitable outcome. Um, and so we have to take our viewing of it with a grain of salt because. As far as stories go, I mean, it fits perfectly within their characters and the arc of their story that they would make that same mistake that we've seen a hundred million times. But um, the ca- it completely flows. It's it's the right arc for them because they haven't seen these mistakes the way we have. So, what do you think of the um, all the scenes with Corey and the um, oh, the fantastic. member of the Royal Guard that's been sent so to bring her back? Good. Yeah, those were good scenes. Yeah, and then she locks him in the ship and goes. I, I like the phone call between her and and Raven. Yeah, that was wonderful. That sort of set up that bond between them in the first season, and yeah. it makes a lot of sense here. That like again, realistically, she and she's just, asking after she should her. Just go and, to and Dick, yeah, but. they're asking after each other. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. It does. It does speak to the fact that Dick doesn't isn't quite the leader that he should be yet. Like he's getting there, but he's not right. quite the leader and mentor that he is from the comics because he's he's got the training thing down. He's got like the I don't know. He's like, got the ideology he, he needs, down. He needs to make it clear but... he needs to make it clear. He doesn't he hasn't quite found the balance between drill sergeant and big brother yet that right. he's so good at in the comics because these kids don't really feel like they can come to him yet with what they're going through. Because right. they're they're more worried about pleasing him and earning his respect than they are with, you know, Actually their own emotional being, baggage. Yeah. Like he's, she should be, he should be there for all of that. And if you would ask him, he would say that he is, but he needs to show it. Like he needs to make it clear through his actions that they can come to him. And instead right. he's just, you know, and it's the same with Jason. Like we're, we have the benefit of seeing scenes with Jason that Dick is not there for. So we know more of what Jason is thinking and what he's going through than Dick does. But it should be obvious to Dick that Jason is in a bad place right now and maybe just telling him, you know, go sit on the bench tonight, kid. You'll get your chance later is not what he needs to hear right now. He needs something. Like, throw him some kind of bone. Let him help a little or else he's going right, to go off the reservation, did, yeah. which is what he did, mm-hmm. you know. So Dick is not quite there, which which is good because, I mean, he was not really much of a leader for most of the first season because he didn't want to be there. He didn't want it. Like, it was out of necessity that he was... Right, putting this quote unquote team together. If he was all of a sudden a master leader in the second season, I think it would seem too jarring. But I think that 
they're building up to it nicely. Where by the, if he puts the Nightwing suit on by the end of the season, then by the time you get to season three or something, and he's learned whatever lessons he's going to learn from right. what happens to Jason and whatever in the season, then hopefully he'll be, you know. Mm-hmm. But I feel like they're doing a good job of evolving the characters much closer towards the recognizable forms from right. the comics. What do you think? What do you think? We haven't seen very much of him so far, but Isai Morales is... Um, as um, Slade Wilson, we just mostly got in this episode. We mostly got that scene where he sits there at the table, unflinching, yeah. while Doctor Light is sort of uh, vamping Screw a little him, bit. Yeah. He definitely has that sort of presence, like yes. you know, don't mess around with me. I could kill you six times before you hit the ground, kind of thing. Right. And I don't suffer fools lightly. Mm-hmm. Uh, air about him. Yeah. I want to see some nice meaty scenes though, because I know we know from Caprica that he can play. Yep. pathos he can play human emotion like he's not just like this grim mm-hmm. guy you know yep. um so i want to see some scenes maybe some flashback scenes like there's they they get into some stuff in this episode i'm a little unclear because it went by really fast in the dialogue but unlike in the comics where grant died and Jer- jericho got his throat slit but he survived right grant Actually was trying died, to please his father yeah. was the one that died in the battle with the titans mm-hmm. here it seems like they kind of amalgamated those characters because rose said that he had a son Jericho that right. died so I'm assuming that what we were talking about last week where there was something that happened a few years ago and maybe like Aqualad died on their side and Jericho died on his side or maybe Jericho like in the comics was a titan oh and then and Dick got him killed and that's part of what made everybody leave hmm. but then where does Aqualad figure into that I think we're going to learn a lot more next week because next week's episode is literally called Aqualad oh awesome. so I think we're going to get more of that we're going to learn more of what's going on we get some more scenes with rose in this episode she gets her eye patch and she sort of does a little bit of training with dick and everything that was fun that was really nice you know what i loved i actually really liked the choreography of this fight um and i really liked that each... i'm trying to think of a starfire choreography pun but nothing's coming to me right Co- now so just let you it just be did let, it. Let choreography it be. yeah I was going to say, like, oh, no, that's what you call it when Starfire is fighting. That's choreography. Uh, uh, I don't know. I I was fishing for something. I just wanted to put it out there that I saw it going by. I just couldn't (laughs) come up with anything. There was something on the ticker, but it went by too fast. Okay. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Now I can see it spelled out in my brain with the apostrophe and everything. Anyway, what I was going to say is that I really enjoy the fact that each of their fighting styles is very unique and incredibly in line with their character. Well, Dick's fighting style is what it always is, which is like a bunch of unnecessary flips. Yeah. Which is basically the Nightwing but way. But he's an... Yeah, I know. He's Show an, your butt a lot, flip around a lot. Mm-hmm. That's basically it. We like it. I mean, last time we got to see Rose fighting, it was on the rooftop, and you could definitely see that a lot of work had been put into her choreography, and it seemed to fit with her, what we now know is very, like, trained, professional-level fighter. Um... But to see that in opposition to Captain Gymnastics and the Flying Brigade over there, uh, it was just, it was really well done. And so I think this was so far my favorite fight on the entire uh, series. Yeah, there haven't really been a lot of memorable, like memorable fight choreography is not not something that I would attribute yeah. to this show. Like yeah. the, the fights have been, True, you know, yeah. decent. Even with like Hawk and Dove, like sometimes their costumes get in the way, sometimes the, the filming of it isn't really highlighted. Well, the fights on this show tend to be like very quick and brutal yep. and not really have a lot of flam- flamboyance or like memorable well, I don't know if I agree. It's just the execution of it and sometimes the filming of it isn't doing it any favors. But this one in the big open arena with the wide angles and you see both actors moving at the same time and each of them is in a different style and they're, they're in direct perfect opposition to each other 
it really worked for me. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with you about this episode. I'm just saying in general. Like, can you remember a single, like, one-on-one fight scene from season one that, no. that really sticks out in your mind? Mm-mm. So, I mean, that's that's what I mean. It's, but it's not really that kind of show. It's not like Arrow or no. But I mean, they're like trying that, to be about like it. A like, lot of really crazy martial arts and stunts going on. What I'm remembering really is that the interview with the actress that's playing Dove, um, Minka Kelly. Thank you. Um, she did a lot of training, and I think at some point... She has a background in she gymnastics, has a back- doesn't she? No, dance. I dance? think it's ballet. Specifically, she trained in ballet. And so, ha-ha. And so, um, she was saying how it's very similar to that and how the, the choreographers kind of catered to that background. But um, when she was in that full costume, some of it was obfuscated by the camera. Like, you couldn't really see the full extension of her movements. Well, and they can't really move. Or did she... Oftentimes, they can't really move very well in those costumes either. Did she, like, study ballet in preparation for this? I can't remember. I can't remember now because she said it was very, very tough and she did have to do extra training. Well, people refer to, like, Dove's fighting style as, like, very... Dance-like. Balletic. So that Mm -hmm. might be what what you're thinking of. I'm not sure the actress's background... No, I, I just remember that she was talking about having to do a lot of training and specifically that she connects it with dance, like the actual fighting when she was working on the choreography. She did a lot of hours of um, dancing to, to prepare for that. Um, she put a lot of work into it. And I feel like she got a little bit cheated because between the costume and the poor camera angles in some cases, like you couldn't really see the full extent What of you it. want is something like Summer Glau and Serenity, right? oh, where, where she's yeah. moving in an almost unhuman way and the, direct, and the direction um, yeah. highlights it in mm-hmm. a way that makes it seem unreal and yet the actress is actually doing it because of her background in dance. Right. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. That's exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think that they're getting... Feels like they're getting the hang of those fight scenes a little bit more in terms of filming them. Filming action is no joke. We were just talking about the the director who, you know, deserves tons of accolades for doing it so well all the time. Um, but I can tell you, it's not easy. I I have tried and I have failed and I will continue to fail probably until I get it right. Because, it, it, but it's a very very specific skill set. Like filming action is no joke. It's, hmm, it's just very tough to do well. Um, and so I appreciate it when it's done well, and I can see when it's not. And I don't blame the actors or the, even the choreographers. I just think that in some cases, the filming is like they're working on it. But in this episode, it seems like they, they understood, like they got it. Um, because all of the fights from the rooftop the last time, that was a really genius move to have it all in wide angles as if it were from a helicopter view. That was a genius, genius thought. And then here you see a big, well-lit open area gym for them to practice in and that's where their sort of conversations take place very nice very very nice um yeah awesome i just i i'm i'm i'm, I'm enjoying the show yep how about you yep yeah, yeah we did as we said last week I'm, I'm i'm enjoying a lot more than i was in season one yeah same, same. and i enjoyed it in season one but i i it was i had to enjoy it for what it was and not like for right. what I, for what i remembered from the comics whereas here it's kind of doing both it's mm-hmm. Not to say that it has to be exactly like the comics to be good, but ideally, if you're adapting a classic franchise, mm-hmm. it should have enough elements of that to evoke it while still doing its own thing. And I think that they're that's what they're doing now. And I remember we were talking earlier about this show when it first started, and we were noticing the very big differences, and we were saying, which way will it go? You know, I rem- Do you remember this? We were saying, like, literally, we had a conversation about, will it go the way of Gotham, where nothing looks like it does in the comics, or will they take this point as a realistic 
gritty starting point and kind of morph it into I assumed the direction it would go this way I yeah. assumed it would go this way because Jeff Johns was involved and yeah he might he might go he might get a little over the top sometimes with the violence and and mayhem but he he knows the soul of the comics so well that anytime he's involved in in an adaptation I don't think it's going to like for for example like the 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 Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie that he yeah. had a hand in like that movie had its problems right. but it it understood what it was the heart and of the where Green Lantern yeah. mythology and what makes it cool even you if you can't it, hold it, that against it yeah you know like so and hopefully now that he's getting his chance to write his own Green Lantern movie <laughs> it'll hopefully be be better even than that but yeah. but yeah and I think the same is true here it's and and the episodes that he's that he's written on the show, with the exception of the season premiere two weeks ago, which he actually co-wrote too, but didn't, wasn't really our favorite. But like I said last week, the episodes in the first season that he had a hand in were some of my favorites too, because they were the ones that really focused on a specific character and really right. like, here's the Jason Todd episode, here's the Donna episode, here's the Hawk and Dove episode, and those were some of my favorites. So, Yeah, agreed. So if you want to reach out to the show, questions, comments, suggestions, anything like that, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. Our website is www.smartspodcast.com. Our Twitter is at smartspodcast. And our Facebook is facebook.com slash smartspodcast. How about a funny sound for us? I don't have one. How about shing? With that swords? Yeah. Ooh.